My name is Keith Cowart, lead pastor of Christ Community, and each week I or one of our pastors will bring a message that we pray will stir your heart. We believe that God is the source of life and truth and that His Word is one of the primary means through which we make that vital connection with God. It's our hope that whether you're already a believer or just beginning to open your heart to God, that the truth of His Word would point you to Him. He came that you would have life and that more abundantly. So, um, before we get into the message this morning, you may have seen some social media things, and you might have received a postcard in the last couple of days around the event that we are planning here, planning as a church in May of this year, May 6th and 7th. It's a conference that we're calling Converge 214. Uh, As you well know, one of our core values is a uh, unity in diversity. And we get a chance to taste it here at Christ Community Church. I mean, look around the room. Isn't this amazing, amazing view that we've been blessed with? I mean, look around. Look, look at all the different, different hues that you see. And I'm not talking about the seats. I'm talking about the people and the faces of the people that you see all around. Isn't this a blessing to be able to worship together like this? It is something that we don't take for granted. And we know that it's because of God's grace that we're able to enjoy such things here. And our heart breaks because this is not the norm everywhere. And our country so badly needs it, needs the church to step up. And this Converge Conference, Converge 214, you can read this, you see a portion of the scripture up there. That's the key scripture. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, is broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. And wouldn't it be something if we could start a conversation and we plan to do that and we invite you to be a part of it, May 6th and 7th at the Cunningham Center right up the street, inviting all of God. We, we want God's people to converge, converge. We chose that word because it means to come from over here and come from over there and come to one spot to where God is. I, I could tell you a lot about it, but we have a little video that we'd like to invite you to watch that would give the heart of this conference. If you would, just pay, give attention to the screen. My name is Derek Shields, executive pastor at Christ Community Church. And I'm Keith Cowart, lead pastor at Christ Community. Keith, you know it's been over 50 years when America decided that separate but equal was no longer acceptable. It's been a long journey since that time. And the fact of the matter is that we're still trying. We're still trying. People of different races, ethnicities, and cultures trying to learn how to live together in a way that will make all of us better. Sadly, the church has not always contributed positively to the solution. While Americans rose up 50 years ago and said separate but equal is not good enough, all these years later, the church is still mostly separate but equal. And that's a tragedy because in the words of Paul in Ephesians 2.14, Jesus Christ has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility and in him, the two have become one. So why is it that we still are not living as one? You know, I believe it's because, quite frankly, living lives separate but equal is easier. It's easier just to hang out and live with people that we have things in common with. But what if we were to take the challenge, the challenge to learn from each other, to listen to each other, and to love each other in a way that, quite frankly, we probably have never done before. 
Not only would the church be richer and it would be much richer, but the world would have a living testimony to the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are calling God's people, calling them to converge, to come together right here in Columbus, Georgia on May 6th and 7th, 2016. And we will have some powerful speakers. Dr. John Perkins, Dr. Soon Chan Rock, Pastor Brian Loritz, Dr. Corey Edwards, Dr. Crawford Loritz, and Dr. John Futer. Our hope is that Converge will be the beginning of a conversation, an ongoing conversation, that will lay the foundation for our becoming a church that is truly separate no more. Again, the dates are May 6 and 7. You can find all the details and you can register at converge214.org. Are you excited? Yeah, I don't sound like it. Are you excited? <laughs> we are excited, and we invite you to, to join with us in that. If you're interested in partnering with us, we, we're trying to make this to where it's affordable for, for all, all of God's people. Um, there's an early bird price of $49 to the end of this month. Uh, Two-day conference with lunch included, you know, that's, that's pretty much unheard of, and that's because we have partners that believe in this. So if you're interested in doing that, but we need you to participate. So you converge214.org is the website. You can get all the details there. The past four weeks, we have been looking at the basics of our life here at Christ Community Church. We've been going through the five points on the river. You see the slide with the icons that represent each point on the river. And, and we're going to, we've been through worship, grow, connect, and serve. And, and next week, Keith will be back to wrap that up with a message on live. But this Sunday, we pause and we take a break, if you will, not pause, but take a break from this to take a look at a key passage of Scripture that God used years ago to form who we are, to shape who we are. You see it when you come through the double doors into the church on Sunday mornings. How many people have seen this, this, this before? How many people have never seen this before? You know, you be, you, somebody's raising their hand because sometimes you miss it. If you're in a hurry and you've got tunnel vision, you walk right by it. Oh, yeah. But it's a key feature in our church, the water feature, the baptism pool that's right out front. And on it, it has a scripture that we are going to focus on this morning. We want to look at not only Ezekiel 47, 9, but if you would turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel 47, we're actually going to go through the first 12 verses all together. Well, not all together. I'll read it. I'll read it if you just go along. But turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel, a prophet, about 500 and so years B.C., somewhere along that, after Assyria had had uh, conquered the northern kingdom and here he was in Judah and, and Babylonians was getting ready, was overtaking it as well. God used Ezekiel to speak hope into the people, to speak hope into the people, to let them know that things would change, that he would redeem his people unto himself. Now things were bleak at the time that Ezekiel wrote this, but he had a vision. Much of the book of Ezekiel is, is a vision that he had. God gave him this vision that he preached to the people at the time. And we want to focus in on these 12 verses. Reads as follows. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate, 
and led me outside, around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubics and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubics and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? I want to emphasize that, that, that question right there because it's a question that I want you to, you might want to jot that down. Son of man, woman of man, do you see this? And then he went further because he says, then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. That's what we see out on the water feature. So where the river flows, everything will live. But it doesn't end there. Fishermen would stand along the shore from Engedi to Eglum. There would be places for spreading nets. The fish would be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit was served for food and their leaves for healing. I'll go back to two verses here. One, one verse six. That question that his guide asked him. Son of man, do you see this? Pray with me. Father, we We thank you for just how you've touched us so far, and we feel and sense that you have more to unveil to us. But Lord, we need your help. We need your help so that we can see. We can see what it is that you want to show us on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little side note, as I was preparing for this message, I was struck by something I found in the chapter before. Turn with me to verse, um, chapter 46, verse number 9. This is not on the overhead. This is some extra stuff. You get it for free. It don't cost you nothing at all. You like that, huh? <laughs> I was reading, reading before, you know, trying to get a good grasp on, on, on the context of this, and I, I ran across verse 9 in chapter 26. It said, When the people of the, Lord, of the land came before the Lord at the appointed feast, appointed feast Whoever enters by the north gate to worship is to go out the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate is to go out the north gate. No one is to return through the gate by which he entered. But each is to go out the opposite gate. You know, I I said, man, I just couldn't get that out of my mind. What is that all about? 
Yeah, I don't think it means that if you came through those double doors, you need to go out those side doors and surely not go out the back door. But I think it means that when you come to worship, you ought to leave different than you came in. That you should, that when you come into the presence of the Lord, you should come, you should leave different, a different way than when you came. Amen? Okay. That's just, just something that just caught my eye. I just wanted to share it with you. So let's expect God to do something in us that will cause us to be different at the end of this time that we have together. Ezekiel 47 paints the picture of a river. It's a river that begins with flowing from under the threshold of the temple. In fact, it's from the altar, the place of sacrifice. And this message today is simply entitled, So Where the River Flows. So Where the River Flows. Let's get right into it. Geographers describe a river as having three things. A source, a course, and it makes a force. A course, a source, and a, fo- and a force. If a river is going to be a river, if you're going to define a body of water flowing as a river, it has those three things in common. So let's get started and let's look at Ezekiel's vision here that he read, that that we've read. Let's start with the source. Where does the river start? Well, we've already touched on it. You know, it started underneath the temple, under the threshold of the temple. Now, Now, you have to know something here. You have to have a little context here. This temple that Ezekiel is talking about here in the scripture... You know, in, in earlier chapters of Ezekiel, he even described it. I think if you go back to chapter 40, he, he describes it. And it's in great detail, in every fine detail. He describes this. And, and remember, he's bringing hope to a people who have been decimated, who have been overrun, who have lost hope, who are God-chosen people. But all of a sudden, they find themselves in captivity and everything is falling apart. And their actual temple has been destroyed by the Babylonians. And this is when Ezekiel is talking to these people. He's saying that the rivers, the, the, the origin of the river, according to what he wrote and what we read, was coming out from under the threshold of a temple that, as he described, would look something like what you see there. But the fact of the matter is, there was no river in Jerusalem. There's no river in Jerusalem. You know, there, 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 there is not a large body of water coming anywhere near the temple. There wasn't then, and there's not now. As a matter of fact, even today, there is no temple there. So what is it? We pray that God will allow us to see, and we have to see beyond the words that we see on the page because I believe Ezekiel was prophesizing as something that prophesizing to what was coming in the future, what would really, really bring his people back. You see, we get further insight when we skip over to the New Testament because Jesus talks about water in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, in, in, there's a scripture that we find that comes at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles when the temple was rebuilt on, by Herod. And it wasn't anywhere near where the, the temple that Ezekiel had described. But in John chapter 7, in John chapter 7, Jesus brings attention to himself because he says there 
on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. That's why that song, I, 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 you know, I almost didn't get started in his message because that last song we sung in the, in the worship set, Holy Spirit Come, captures all that we're talking about. It's talking about th- this river. This river is really, really what, what Ezekiel was describing was really the life of God, the life of God through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is the river that he's describing. And today he's still calling us to it, calling us to that river. And where does the river start? It starts, it starts in Jesus Christ himself. Because remember, this temple that Ezekiel was describing had an altar in it that they made sacrifices. But we serve a God who sent his only begotten son to be the sacrifice so that his spirit can be poured out on all of us. So, so don't, let's not, let's not, let's not question because if we're thinking about a temple that we build with brick and mortar and with gold and silver and, and have incense in it, we're thinking about things that we can do, that I can do, that we built. But when we realize that this temple that he was referring to is Jesus Christ himself, then the source of the river never runs dry. The source of this river is forever and ever. This Holy Spirit that flows from him and to us and through us has no end. And it's always it's available for us to tap into, for us to get into at any time. And the more we go in it, the deeper it gets, the deeper it gets, the more impact it has and the more healing it does. Amen? So, so that's where the first, where does the river start? The source the source. You know, later on, Jesus tells his disciples in the upper room that the spirit cannot be outpoured until he has returned to the Father by way of the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. There's just one source of this river, and it's the work of Jesus on the cross. The river must have a source, but then the river also has a course. Where does the river flow? Now, in this scripture that we've read, the river is flowing eastward from the temple in the city of Jerusalem through the Judean wilderness until it reaches Araba. Now, we have a couple of maps here, and I hope you can make out a little bit. Down at the bottom, that blue body of water is the Dead Sea. To the left of that is Jerusalem. And you see, what Ezekiel was describing was this body of water, this river going from Jerusalem and going through Araba, into the Dead Sea. Now, when you look at it on a map, on a flat piece of paper, you know, we don't get a real good image of this. But if we do a little bit of a, another map that we have that shows a little topography, we see something amazing. Because it's only 13, 13 15 miles from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea. But the topo- topography is steep. Jerusalem is 2,600 miles, 2,600 feet above sea level. The Dead Sea, the surface of it, is 1,380 feet below sea level. 
Get the picture? And that right there, as I, as I kept thinking about that, it's, it's such a great image. It's a great image because this river that we've already kind of settled on is, is really the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit flowing from God himself through, to his people and through his people and to those who are hurting and those that are in low places. It starts from on high and it goes down low. It goes from above sea level to below sea level. You know, that's the gospel right there because we're talking about God in the form of God who says how who sent his son to come low so that he can meet us right where we are. The robber, the robber is a desert, a barren place. It's a wilderness place between Jerusalem. Go back to the robber one second. That is between, between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. The robber is this barren land. And Ezekiel says that the river, this Holy Spirit, flows through this barren land. And it goes to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. You know why? Because everything in it is dead. Nothing, no fish can survive in the Dead Sea. Because it is at the lowest elevation point on earth. It is, it is, it is fed by, by, it is fed from the north by the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River and all the tributaries that come in. But that, that, that that you see up north is a higher elevation. So everything comes down and the Dead Sea has no outlet. So it is at the lowest point and it has no way to go. Have you ever felt like you're at your lowest point and you have nowhere to go? You have no outlet and everything seems like, oh, what is going to happen? Ezekiel is saying that this river that flows from the temple is, has ability when it flows to you. Oh, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you, you, you get the picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. Going from 2,600 feet above sea level to 1,380 feet below sea level to the Dead Sea. So we have the source, the course, and then we have the force. What effect does the river have? I love that backdrop. Go back, go back a couple to the Araba. Yeah, I'll give a hand for the person back there on AB. She's just doing a great job. To the Araba, the, the picture of the desert, the desert area. Yeah, the desert area. Can you, can you find it? Yeah, it was one shot of just a desert scene. Yeah, that. So what Ezekiel is suggesting is that when this river flows from the temple, that it transforms where it flows that looks like that to where it says, now go back to the force. Where it looks like that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit that brings joy, peace, and love. The Holy Spirit that, that brings goodness to our way. There's nothing negative in it. 
Now, there's, not, there's no negative because God is love. So, so, so this Holy Spirit, is, he's bringing love our way. And I know sometimes I get into conversations with people and they say, well, you know, God also, God also you know, he, he, he chastises and, and he disciplines. You know, I think he disciplines us by loving us. You see, because if, you, if he loves us the way that he knows we need to be loved, some of our ways will become like trials to us. It's hard for us to stay in that because all he does is continue to bring love and forgiveness our way. And, and the picture, get the picture, when it goes like that, it's, it's, it, it begins to transform all that's around it. You know, the river is remarkable because it started as a, just a flow from under the threshold. Remember that? It started as a flow just under the threshold. And then within a short, relatively short distance, its, it's, a, it's depth is increased. You, you, you know how you walk through it. He said that as he led him through it, he, he had a measuring a measuring something, uh, some, some way to measure in his hand the guy that led him through. And he measured off what? One, 1,000 cubic. Was it 1,000 cubic? Am I right? Yeah, that's about 1,500 feet. Or if you, or if you read in the, in the home and Christian standard Bible, it says a third of a mile, you know? And, and, and when he measured off, he, he sent him across it, he said it was ankle deep. And then he measured off another 1,000 cubics, another 1,500 feet. Another third of a mile. And he, and he said, cross it again. And this time when he crossed it, it was how deep? It went from ankle to, come on, y'all, y- y'all with me? It went from ankle to, now both of these, you know, can you imagine, have you ever been in water, been in water and you just, you just kind of testing it out, you, you, you just, it's ankle deep. You know, you can feel it, you in it. You know, you got all the benefits of it. It's going by you, but you just, you just in it, you, you in it under your own strength because, see, it's more of me outside the water than it is in the water. So a lot of me is still in control. In fact, my feet are solid on the ground. I have control. I feel confident. But, but he went that second thousand cubic, and it went up to his knee. And then the third thousand cubic, another 1,500 feet. And it went up to where? Up to his waist. Now I'm a non-swimmer. I, I start getting nervous when I get up to my waist, you know. I'm a non-swimmer, I, I, you know. But, but I've been in that kind of water before, you know. And I've gotten to the point in my life that I can be pretty confident in it. But you know why? Because I'm still, I still have my feet on the ground. I still can have some sort. Now, the, if, if, if the river is, is really traveling a little hard, you know, I, I might get a little nervous. But, you know, if I stand, you know, out with my feet part, I can, I can withstand it. As a matter of fact, I will resist it. I won't go with it. I'll just stand here because I don't want to get swept up. But, that's, but, but he said he went down another 1,000 cubic, another 1,500 feet, until it what? Until it got over his head. Now you have a dilemma. Because, see, if you keep trying to stay on your feet with it over your head and the water is rushing, can you imagine the depth of the water now? And it's coming from 2,600 above down to 1,380 below. And, 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 and with that kind of steep incline, decline, don't you know the water is starting to get a lot of, a lot of momentum to it. So now I can't, I, can't, I can't fight the movement of it. It's best that I just let go and go with the flow. And what happens if I do? What happens if I will? Well, look, look what it says. Look what it says. It says it irrigates the desert on either side. Trees grow and produce fruit. 
But it's not just any kind of fruit because this fruit, these are not ordinary trees because this fruit produces once a year. They're not fruit trees that produce once a year. These produce every month. And not only that, the leaves, they don't wither. They're always good for healing. When it got to the Dead Sea, what happened? The Dead Sea, the force of this river, the force of the Holy Spirit, the force of all the goodness of God that comes from the temple, as it gets momentum and it starts getting deeper and deeper and it starts going further and further and it goes down the 20 miles from Jerusalem into the Dead Sea. Once it enters into the Dead Sea, in Ezekiel's mind's eye, the water becomes fresh and, and fish begin to spring up in what was dead. Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt like everything around you, including you, was dead? Have you ever had experience in life where there's parts of your life that seems to be dead, broken, that it is like there's no hope for? This is our answer. Our answer is we need to immerse ourselves in his Holy Spirit because in his Holy Spirit and surrender totally to it because once we surrender totally to his Holy Spirit, Stop trying to be in control. Just let him take us where he will. There's some of those problems we keep bumping up against. We may get answers for because his Holy Spirit will be leading. Some of those situations that we find ourselves in that we don't know how to get out of. When we totally surrender to him, when we totally let go, when we let, let ourselves get off of our feet and get into him. And, and it's something mystical about this because not only is it like he gets into, we get into him, but he gets into us. And it flows on down and things will come to life. And, and, but it didn't stop there. That's not the only effect that the river has. Because you know what it said earlier? It said, it said also that there will be fishermen along its banks. Fishermen along, it even said they would spread nets. What, what does all this mean to us? We've said it already. Jesus gave us the clue. We're talking about the refreshing river of living water. We're talking about life-giving Holy Spirit. And this this. This vision that we read about, it's not something for us simply to just study and try to get all the facts right, even though I brought a lot to it. That's not, that's not the point of it. This is a challenge for each one of us. Where are we challenged? First of all, where are we in the river? Where are you in the river? Are you splashing around in the shallows, just enjoying the ankle deep, like a leisure pool? Is that where we are? And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because as new Christians in Christ, that's exactly where we need to be. But get the picture. A grown man about the size of Jay Hofstetter said, stand up, Jay Hofstetter, so everybody can see you. Walking around in a kid's pool. What does that look like? <laughs> no, no, we, we have to, baby said, get out of the pool. <laughs> we have to get beyond that. We have, to, we have to get, see, positively, it means that little children can enter into the life-giving river of the Holy Spirit. You know, Ann Pelcher was here last week talking about testifying how children back there are praying 
and are living the life of the Holy Spirit just as they are in their small, you know, God is real to them just like he is to us. But what's negative about that is when we choose to stay there, where it's safe, where we're in control. Or maybe, maybe you've been a little bolder. Maybe you're knee deep in the river. However, that's still very tentative. It's a sign that we still want to stay in control. Or maybe you're in waist deep. Waist deep. But why do we hesitate to get in over our head? You know, the fact of the matter, for those that do swim, I've heard about this, I don't know this personally, but I understand that when the water gets that high, the best thing you could do is let go and start swimming. Anybody swim can testify to that? Yeah. If you sit there and resist it and try to stand up in it, you fool around there and drown. Just start swimming. And the beauty of this right here is that we can trust this river. This river is sent for our good. This, sent, this river is sent for our healing. This, 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 sent, this river is sent to, to, to bring us life. What's stopping us from letting go and letting God? Oh, we say that phrase all the time. But how many of us find ourselves with our feet getting wider and wider apart, hunkering down because we don't want to be swept by the waves? We need to go further than we've ever gone before. I believe that's what God is calling us to. You know, let's not forget those trees. You know, there's, there's a beautiful scripture, just a few, few books just, just a book before, Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote, wrote this. Let me, let me read what he said. He said, Curse is the one who trusts in man, who depend, depends on flesh for his strength. This is verse number, verse number five of, of chapter 17 of Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. I'll start again. Curse is the man who trusts in man, is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Oh, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never bear fails to bear fruit. Where are we in the river? You know, we've talked about the source, we've talked about the course, and we've talked about the force. And we need to wrap up here, but I tell you, it's a thought that I have that we need to, we need to really understand. In this picture that Ezekiel painted, the life in the river wasn't just for, it's not just for you and not just for me. It's really for those that the river will flow to. The trees on the banks, as I I read and I read, I've become more and more convinced that it represents God's people. The fish that all of a sudden comes to life are those people in our lives that are dead to Christ that he's using us as we let the river flow through us, reach and share the gospel with. 
And I know, I know some of us are saying, but Derek, that sounds good and I would love to be able to do that, but you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm at that low place. I'm in that desert place myself. I find it hard to even wrap my mind around letting God flow through me and I flow with him to reach and affect other people's lives. I, I have a hard time with that. And you know what? Our Father has a word for you as well. I remind you of the conversation that Jesus had with a woman at a well. You know, they broke into a conversation and Jesus asked the woman for a drink. And the woman questioned why did he want her to give him a drink and he didn't have anything to get a drink with. And you remember what Jesus said back to her? The message paraphrase says it well. Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst. Not ever. The water I give will be artesian spring within. Gushing fountains of endless life. So whether you're here in you know, you've been in the flow, but you've been way upstream where it's only ankle deep, and you've been there far too long. I believe the call to us today is to go further. Let it come up to your ankles. Let it come up to your waist. Get used to it. Get familiar with it. Get comfortable with it. It's like diving into, it's like getting into a, a body of water on a cold day. You know, at first when you step your foot in there, it's cold and, you, and it's shut. But the longer you stay, the better you feel, the more acclimated your body becomes. And then you get to the point to where it starts to rise and it goes over your head. And, and the difference in this, what we're talking about today, and the difference in old Derek Shields' non-swimmer, is difference this is, is the water, the Holy Spirit we're talking about, it will not hurt, it will not drown. It's only there to take us further than we ever could go on our own. That's what we're talking about. What about you? Where are you? What would it look like if you would totally immerse yourself in his Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back out. They're going to start that song. Uh, no, another song. A song that, that as, we, as we talked about this on Thursday, just a few of us were gathered on Thursday. And Pam Coward began to share the experience she had when she was reading from a book. I can't recall the book, but she got a picture of how down at the, on the Chattahoochee, Years ago, you know, the mills, and they had that water running, and they had it running because it would turn that wheel. That's kind of, and she said, you know, it's a mystery. It's a mystery in how that water would do far greater things than we could do in our own strength. But it's also a shame that somehow we keep resisting that power. We keep wanting to do it on our own. We keep letting fear creep in. Afraid that it might take us somewhere that we don't want to go. Or ask us to do something that we don't want to do. Can we just trust in him? Trust in him. Let him take you where he wants you to go. Trust me. It'll be not only for your good, but for the good of those